Heavenly Father, let us recall that in our midst dwells Christ, God's only Son. As members of his body joined, we are in him made one. For love excludes no race or clan that names the Savior's name. His family embraces all whose father is the same. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, we had the opportunity today to complete the series that we have been involved in studying these past weeks, and uh, it's my privilege today to help us do that. But as we do, I want to ask a question. If church membership is one more thing on my daily and weekly to-do list, then I feel guilty. I feel guilty when I miss church. Is there a better way to understand and act on what it means to be a church member? That's the question for us today. Using the Bible's teaching summarized by this little book, anybody remember this book? If you have not yet received a copy, they are available in the Fellowship Hall, and we invite you to take one. And today we're looking at the sixth and final chapter of the Bible teaching summarized in this book. And as we do, we want to uh, remember that we have made thus far five challenges to ourselves, five pledges. I will be... That's the little book. A functioning, a unifying, a self-denying, a praying, a leading church member. Those are the pledges we have made thus far. And today we're going to make a sixth by God's grace. And that is that we're going to hear God's call to treasure our membership as a gift. But let's be honest with ourselves. Church membership, which is it? Guilt or gift? That's a silly question, you say. But sometimes I wonder if we would not rather think in terms of church membership as guilt rather than gift. After an absence here on a Sunday morning, we say to each other, oh, I know, I should have been there. But then we have a ready list of excuses, valid excuses, we think, to turn a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit of the living God who calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth with the goal of keeping it in the one true faith that is in Jesus Christ. And if that is not a gift, I, I don't know what is. The same Spirit who empowered Jesus to accomplish what he did for us in our salvation is at work here through the things that he brings to us to make us beneficial to each other, to make us the hands, the toes, the knees 
of him who is the head of the church. But I wonder if we would rather think of our church membership in terms of guilt. Then with our list of excuses, we get to control just how much church we need before we feel guilty and just how much more we need in order to relieve ourselves of that guilt. Uh, let's see. Church every week and add to that weekly Bible studies and then Advent and Lenten services? No, I don't need that much, do I? Once a month? Mm, well, maybe that's not enough. I feel guilty if I don't do at least twice a month. We all have our own excuses, don't we? Our own standards, our own expectations of ourselves. Anybody remember this little book here? Anyone recall these words? Say them with me. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and His word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. For many in our day, it seems that uh, church is irrelevant. Even something to be avoided. That's not where you and I are today. I mean, we're here, right? We have at least some interest in the church. Maybe we can identify with someone we will call Carl. I hope there are no Carls here today, but <laughs> we'll just uh, talk about a Carl, okay? Imagine Carl for a moment. Uh, Carl has been a church member since he was baptized as a baby. But Carl is disillusioned with this church. He is not getting what he wants from his church. And sometimes he even gets what he does not want. Carl has always understood his church to be like the golf club he belongs to, where he likes to visit the 19th hole after a round or two on the course. Carl expects good service. If he doesn't get it, he lets somebody know. He may even threaten to stop paying his dues. Volunteer to pick up trash along the road that borders the course. Pick up adult beverage cans scattered around by uh, players, careless players in the parking lot. Uh, meet with the governing board? Not likely. I mean, what does he pay the staff for? Carl doesn't see any need to be a functioning member of his golf club, nor a unifying member. If someone crosses Carl in the locker room, he's got an unkind word for that person, often behind the back. If the club pro or some other staff person doesn't do what Carl prefers and desires, then he feels free to criticize liberally that person who in his mind has messed up. Carl might tell that person he or she needs to pray, but Carl himself doesn't see any need to pray for that person. In fact, Carl's complaints about the club are so frequent, no one in his family wants anything to do with that golf club because it leads them, his example leads them, to believe that the club is an unhealthy place to spend time. Well, as you can tell, Carl does not see his golf membership as a gift to treasure. 
I mean, he put up big money to join. He's entitled to the club's benefits. Carl doesn't feel guilty if he misses playing one day a week. He can use his membership however he chooses, or not use it at all. That's his call, right? Well, maybe Carl's attitude is not surprising when it comes to a golf club. Membership is in that club is not unlike one at a Sam's Club or a gym or a, a frequent flyer club on an airline. Membership is about me. It's supposed to be about what I want, how I want it, and when I expect to get it. Kind of like Carl's Amazon Prime membership. He pays his yearly dues and gets what he wants, buying it online with free shipping in two days, and enjoys a number of other benefits too, right? And if Amazon does not keep its promises, well, then Carl might look at shopping online at Walmart or Target. The problem is, Carl feels the same way about his church. He does not see the need to become a functioning, unifying, self-denying, praying, leading, treasuring church member. Carl is not unlike James and John whose mother, according to Matthew chapter 20, came to Jesus on their behalf. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that is James and John, came up to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling before Jesus, she asked Jesus for something. And Jesus said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand, let me see, I better do it your way, right? One at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, now speaking not to the mother but to the two sons, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? James and John then said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. Now, how do you think the other ten apostles felt about this, right? They were twelve altogether. They were indignant at the two brothers. They got at the front of the line. You ever do that in school, you know? It's lunchtime. Everybody wants to eat. So you find a way to get at the head of the line and beat out everybody else behind you. Well, that's what happened with James and John. They beat out the other ten, and the other ten were not happy about it. But Jesus called to all twelve, and he said to them, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Well, what's the problem here? This. James and John understood that life with Jesus, membership in his church, they thought it was like joining a club that gives its members certain 
privileges and perks, a place where they could sit in the glow of Christ's glory and enjoy the service others would bring to them. In their view, Jesus was going to do far more than open up a golf club in Jerusalem. Jesus was going to open up a new government, set up a new kingdom, and displace the Romans who with their occupying troops had oppressed Judea and the area that we know as the Middle East. James and John wanted to get in on the ground floor of Jesus' movement. They wanted to buy stock in Jesus' IPO, believing a share price would multiply many times. They wanted to occupy the best seats at Jesus' corporate board of directors table, the prize positions around Jesus' throne. James and John wanted power and pride of place, and they wanted to exercise it. But as Jesus and the events following revealed, James and John tragically misunderstood Jesus. To share in Jesus' greatness was to become a servant of others, not their Lord. To enjoy membership in Jesus' church is not to experience guilt when he does not meet our expectations, but to treasure membership in the fellowship of his church because Christ calls us each to function together as his body according to the gifts his spirit gives, to unify our efforts with others in the church, to accomplish the church's mission, to make disciples and maintain the unity by forsaking our grudges against each other and forgiving as we have been forgiven by him, to sacrifice our personal preferences and desires, denying ourselves to focus on Jesus himself in our worship and work, to pray for each other so that we do function as a unified church that sets aside personal preferences and desires to fix our eyes on Jesus who leads the way. That's how we lead those we influence in our families and beyond to become with us healthy church members at peace with one another. For these reasons, by the Holy Spirit, we pledge this morning to encourage one another to live together as functioning, unifying, self-sacrificial, praying members of a healthy church, treasuring our membership, yes, as a gift. Carl, however, he does not uh, feel the need to be that kind of church member. And don't we, like Carl, tend to think of our church in terms of uh, money and morals? That's why membership in our church causes us to feel guilt of failure rather than joy, the joy of a gift. We either live increasingly burdened by that gift, or we forfeit our membership, maybe even give up our church membership without discovering why it is such a treasure. And so perception is everything, some would say. And every church member has two perceptions from which to choose, country club or opportunity of a lifetime. If I see my church as a country club where I'm entitled to certain perks, where I expect to be served, not serve, where I treat worship as an entertainment venue, not where I bow in response to God's grace, well, then this perception sooner or later will leave me with a bad attitude toward my church. Or 
I can see my church as a gift to treasure, as an opportunity to serve alongside others in the name of Jesus, where I go from here to represent him to our world in ways even more than Secretary of State Mike Pompeo represented our country in Saudi Arabia this past week. In other words, we get to choose to treat our church membership as a source of guilt or a great gift. And if we choose to treat our church as a country club, we make it a dreaded obligation. I mean, I remember when I was a boy, my mom would wake me up on a Sunday morning and say, time to go to church. And I would say, oh no, not again. Well, the Holy Spirit would have had to grow me up quite a lot over the years before I began to make a different choice, the choice to treasure the church and membership in it as a delightful advantage in this life and for the life to come. Yes, I am Lutheran Church itself is a gift entrusted with God's word and sacraments through which his Holy Spirit creates and sustains faith in his Son who makes it possible for us to receive forgiveness of sins and to forgive others as we have been forgiven. And that is a life lived by his power. That is salvation from hell for a place in the heavenly Father's home above. We confess, I believe, in the one holy Christian and apostolic church and that church is here in this place because God's word is here, taught in its truth and purity, as are the sacraments rightly administered. The Bible teaches that the church is global and local, earthly and eternal. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All around the world, all who follow Jesus, we are the church together. Look at these reasons you have to treasure your membership in Christ Church here at Zion. Your leaders, elders and council, ministry leaders, Bible study leaders, prayer leaders, and every one of you, everyone, a, a member who is likewise a minister, as this little book details from the Bible, printed some years ago by our Concordia Publishing House. You, I treasure you as a fellow member of this congregation. And then think about your ministry training and support staff. Lori Kent, who helps us keep these facilities clean and neat. Althea Hudson, who anchors the church office. Stephen Bookshaw, I think he's somewhere up there, yeah, I see him. And, and then there's Scott Young, who's just come recently with his beautiful family. And of course, our pastor, Ryan Winningham. What a gem. Thanks be to God for all of them. But I have to tell you this. Even if you didn't have all these reasons to treasure your membership, you have more than enough in these Right here, right here, the Word of God, written so as to connect us to the Word of God who is living, our Savior and Lord Jesus. You have the baptismal font and the Lord's table. You have these Word and sacraments 
as the Lord of our church, Jesus Christ, has given them. And for that reason, if for no other, you can treasure your membership in his body, the holy Christian church, as we experience it here at Zion. Think again about our text from Matthew chapter 20, where we read how the mother of James and John was trying to help them lobby for lead positions of power in Christ's kingdom. Well, how, how did Jesus lead? How did he lead? Here's how. By sacrificing himself, serving and suffering all the way to the cross and beyond to the victory of the empty tomb. He who endured the ultimate humiliation of being cut off from the Father for sinners at Calvary was then exalted by the Almighty God and promises to bring us who are members of his church with him to his Father's house for eternity. What a gift! I say it again. What a gift. What a gift. My friends, the church is not a human organization. Zion Lutheran Church is a living organism embodying Christ whose members live in service to each other and to the world. And so for this reason, I invite you this morning, if you're willing, to consider making a sixth pledge. And if you're not yet a member, of course, this doesn't apply to you unless you want to become a member. And so I invite you to join in light of that desire on your part. Let's read it together. If you can read it. Can you read it? <laughs> Church membership is a gift for me to treasure. When I was brought to faith in Christ by the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament, he made me a member of his body, the Holy Christian Church. My Savior and Lord Jesus calls me to the joy of serving others with love alongside fellow members of my local church. Heavenly Father, let me never take my membership for granted. Give me the wisdom and strength to honor you, remembering I am a church member. And so then maybe we can summarize all six of the pledges we have been making by promising this. I will be a functional, unifying, self-denying, praying, and leading Christ follower who treasures church membership as his gift. Why? Well, this is why. Because God gives his son and his church to make me and you a gift to the world. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you. Please bring us the peace of knowing that this membership in your church is a gift a gift that will never impoverish us, but only enrich us unto life everlasting. For Christ's sake, amen.